Jesus' name, moved by your spirit. You may be seated. In this age of push-button technology, and more so than ever before, we probably, some of us feel like we've been living in the push-button technology days for quite a while now. But it just keeps on clicking along and there's more and more conveniences. And because of that, especially in this nation and other nations that are ahead te- technologically, say the word, uh, you know, people are impatient. They don't like to wait. They don't like to wait because they don't have to do much waiting. You ever been in a store in line and they only have they have all kinds of cash registers but it seems like they only got a couple and the line's long and you don't want to you're looking all over the place where is there one open that doesn't have a big line because you don't want to wait and so we're living in that age where people just you know they have a hard time waiting I know we had an older computer before we've got our new one and it was pretty slow. It was one of those old Tandy computers. Um, how many of you have an old Tandy computer? And uh, it was pretty slow, and you know, sometimes it just sometimes it just didn't work right. It just shut down, and we couldn't even figure out why it shut down, and all that sort of thing. And uh, then, if you wanted to print something up on it, it seemed like you sent the message to the printer, and it took an hour to, to print it depending on what it was you wanted to print. If it was graphics, you might as well get up and go do something because it was going to take a while. (laughs) But now, you know, we have a newer computer and it's so much faster. It's just amazing. If you're printing some kind of document that just is all it is is words, no graphics, it's almost immediate. It just, it'll go, it'll send it to that that, uh, printer and prints it out so wonderful. Does such a nice job. And, you know, even still, I've talked to some people that have these new computers that are so fast. And we had Brother Strout's uh, brother come down, and he tried to make our computer even a little bit faster. Because just people just don't even want to wait for two seconds. They want it to happen now. And so he sped our computer up just a little bit. He, he, he's an expert, so he, he knew what to do. And so it's a little bit faster even now than it was then. Because people don't want to wait. They're, but I'm afraid that's not going to work too well in the kingdom of God. To be impatient with the Lord. Um, how many of you have microwaves? You know, used to be uh, grandma had to stoke the wood stove. And it took, what, two or three hours to make a meal. Now we buy something at the store, pop it in the microwave. And we have it to eat within five minutes sometimes. Or... I don't know. Some people don't like leftovers. I guess Pastor Stone doesn't like leftovers too much. <laughs> but uh, I, I love some leftovers. Just pop them in the microwave and heat them up, and they're almost like fresh, you know. But it's And it's quick. You don't have to spend two hours making a meal. It's kind of nice. I love leftover spaghetti, and I like leftover pizza, too. Not cold so much, but I like to heat it up. People don't like to wait those long hours that it takes. People are impatient when it comes to cook. There's a lot of people who don't cook uh, me- meals from scratch anymore because 
It's just too long. They're too busy. Their life is going so fast. Um, if, if it's going to take too much work, they'll just go out to eat instead. Let someone else do all the cooking. So waiting and anticipation, we've always told Linda Joy, anticipation is half the fun of, of getting something. And, you know, she, you know how kids are when it's coming Christmas time. Oh, can't we open it now? Oh, do I have to wait? Can I, you know, can I find out? But we have, oh, you know, now we've got her sold it. Man, she, she wouldn't open it for nothing until Christmas, no matter whether it was there for, because she just kind of enjoys that anticipation. You know, the anticipation is almost greater than actually getting the gift. She's just looking forward to it, looking forward to it, looking forward to it. And that day comes, and the day isn't as great as what all the anticipation was. And anticipation is kind of a lost art now nowadays because parents just seem to buy their kids whatever they want whenever they want i know you you can't afford to do that but in the world that happens a lot they just buy their kids whatever they want christmas is like no big deal to a lot of these kids they don't they don't it's not any great fun because they've already got everything that you can imagine and uh so anticipation and waiting is like a lost art um even in saving you know, you might have some big item that you'd like to get. People used to save up for years to get certain items. But now, what do they do? They go charge it. They, they can't wait for it. They want it right now. I'm going to go. And they have their credit cards up so high, they don't know what to do. And uh, because we're living in an age where people just cannot stand to wait. Savings accounts, they say, people, is, is almost like... You know, people, hardly anybody has savings accounts anymore. Like they used to, people used to save up for years. Well, I want to talk about waiting a little bit this morning. Uh, first of all, I'd like to talk about David. You all know a lot about David, I know. Um, but David was a man that was willing to wait. And I want to show you some of the things that he was willing to wait for. You see, David, when he was just a boy, tending the sheep, he got a call. Da David! David! And he comes running, evidently he comes running in. And here's Samuel, and all his brothers are standing there. And he doesn't know what's happening. But Samuel has gone through each and every boy in the family and finally he says to David's dad do you have any more because the Lord has said no this is not the one that you're to anoint king no he goes first the oldest one he says the Lord says no don't look on his countenance just because he's rugged or he looks like he could be the king you know the Lord doesn't look at that he looks on the heart and he went down through all the brothers and 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 the Lord said no to every one of them and and Samuel knew that God had sent him there so he says well you know you got another one you got another boy somewhere this you must have something the Lord sent me here for a reason and so finally he, oh yeah I've got the youngest one you know he's out in the field tending sheep so they call him he comes in and he gets anointed to be king at a young age and the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord 
came upon David from that time. Let's go to 1 Samuel verse 16, uh, chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. Verse 13, first of all. If you haven't, say amen. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. From that time when he was just a child, anointed king, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. The Lord had a purpose for David. The Lord had a plan. But David was going to have to wait. But I noticed in the very next verse something that's kind of heart-wrenching. The Spirit came on one verse that we just read. The Spirit came on David from that day forward. But in the next verse, but the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. See, Saul had not followed the ways of the Lord and not done right in the eyes of the Lord. He had disobeyed God. Here, one is anointed and the Spirit of the Lord comes on him. And the other one, who has already been anointed king, the Spirit of the Lord leaves him. Which category do you want? I want to be one of those that are willing to wait on the Lord. He has a plan. God's got a plan. You might have to wait a while to see it happen in your life. God has a plan for you. He really does. No matter where you are at in your life, God sees you. He cares about you. He's willing to fill you with His Spirit, which is like the anointing, the Holy Ghost. He wants to do that. Well, things happen. To David, there's, if you checked out everything that happened between this point where David gets anointed to the time when he actually becomes king, there's a long road. It's a long road. And a lot of discouragements. Some major, major discouragements happened to David. Places where he just felt like giving up. Throwing in the towel and saying, that's it. One of the first things that happens to ch that happens as a change in David's life from being the shepherd that he was is that he becomes a heart player for Saul because Saul is troubled by an evil spirit. And so he brings in David and as David plays, he soothes. And so David's working into a different realm, a different area. Things are going to happen in your life as you follow after God. You may not understand everything that's happening in your life. 
You might not understand where it's leading you, but God has a plan. The next step, one of the next steps that happens with David is he hears that Philistine crying out on the field, that giant Goliath. And he he's wondering, why are not the Israelites who claim to serve the mighty, true God that can do absolutely anything, why are they so afraid of this man? I'll go out and fight him because I have the Lord on my side. You have the Lord on your side if you're willing to wait on Him. He can strengthen you. He will be with you. And so He goes out and He kills that giant. He takes the head of Goliath to Jerusalem. And he becomes, he's starting to become popular. That can be dangerous to some people. He's appointed, then he's appointed captain over Saul's army. And becomes even more popular. His popularity becomes so great that the ladies of the land are singing praises to David. And Saul gets jealous. So jealous that he tries to kill David and cast a javelin at him to kill him. But Satan, but Satan could not do something against him because God had a plan. And God has a plan for you. He has a plan for your life. Wait upon the Lord. Be of good courage and wait on him. He has a plan for you. Trust him. When things look down and it looks like Satan is out to get you, trust in the Lord. Oh, you might have to dodge the javelin. You might have to put up with a few things that are not pleasant. But trust in the Lord. So he had this problem. He attacks also. He attacks the uh, Philistines. Captures 200 of them. Marries Michael, Saul's daughter. Then again, one more time. Saul again attempts to kill David. In 1 Samuel 19, chapter 19, 8, 9, and 10. We find that he again tries to kill David. And so David flees to Samuel and to the school of the prophets. And then he returns to Jonathan, talks to Jonathan. Jonathan tells him, yes, uh, my dad is got a plot to try to kill you. And so he's on the run. It doesn't look like he's going to be king at this point. He's on the run. He's He's trying to stay away from Saul. Then another time he's on the run again and he goes to the priest. He has to eat shoe bread because he doesn't have anything else to eat. And he gets the sword of Goliath. He says, there's no sword like this, this sword. Then there's a time when he has to remove his parents from danger. He goes into the forest. He's hiding. He fights more Philistines. I'm just giving you a very over, brief overview of his life here. He meets Jonathan again, and they swear allegiance to one another. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 23. I want to read just a little portion there. 1 Samuel 23, 14 through 18. And David abode in the wilderness in strongholds and remained in a mountain in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day. 
Saul saw after him every day. This was not just a one-time thing. Saul was looking to get him every day. And Satan is after you every day. If you're a child of God, he does not want you to make it. But God has a plan. God has a plan. He wants you to be willing to wait. And Saul sought him every day, but God delivered him not into his hand. No, he didn't take all the problems away from David, but he did not allow David to get caught. And David saw that Saul was come out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a wood. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David into the wood and straightened, strengthened his hand in God. And he said unto him, Fear not, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find thee, and thou shalt, and thou shalt be king over Israel, and I shall be next unto thee, and that also Saul my father knoweth. Here, the man, Jonathan, who would naturally be the next in line to be king, is saying to David, you will be king someday. You are going to be. Even Jonathan could see that God had a plan for David. And David's been going a long way, and it doesn't look like he's ever going to be king, and maybe he's discouraged. But he was willing to wait. How do I know he was willing to wait? Well, there's a time that David has a chance to kill Saul. Saul's been after him for a long time. And he has the perfect opportunity to have him killed. Not necessarily kill him himself, but have his men kill him. They was wanting to do it. They were ready to do it. And he says, no, no, we can't do this. He spares Saul's life. He was willing to wait for God's time. God was willing to wait. I want to be willing to wait on God. Whatever your plan is, God, I, I don't want to get in a hurry. If you're not in a hurry, I don't want to be in a hurry. I want to stay where you put me. I know you've got a plan in my for my life. David marries Abigail. He's got more. He travels around more. Hyde even is out of the country. And then there comes the time when Ziglag is burned. His, his, uh, all the men's wives and children are taken away. And they decide maybe they ought to kill David. He's worried for his wife. He was at a very low, low time. He didn't even know if he was going to make it out of this situation alive. But he went before God. He went before the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord. And the Lord saw him through because, you know why? God had a plan. God had a plan for David. He'll see you through. If you wait on him, don't get ahead of him. God's got a plan. And finally, after this, this most discouraging time in his life, he is anointed. He becomes, actually becomes the king. God had worked it all out. But I'll tell you, there was times when David probably thought, it'll never happen. It'll never happen. But see, it will happen in God's time if we are willing to wait. Willing to wait. 
in this age where we have push button technology we get impatient with the Lord sometimes God how come you haven't done it already I've been praying and praying for at least a half an hour you know but it takes a little bit of patience with the Lord it takes a little bit of enduring it takes a little bit of waiting on him there's a story in 2 Kings chapter 6. There's a story there about the siege of Samaria. And because Samaria was in this siege and, 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 and the enemy was all around them and they were trapped kind of in their city, there was a great famine taking place in Samaria. It got so bad in Samaria the famine got so bad and so severe that a donkey's head was sold for 80 pieces of silver. That's to eat. Okay, that was the reason it was sold, was to eat. I don't think I'd be interested in eating it, but when you get really hungry, you eat just about anything. And then it says uh, part of Dove's droppings were sold for five pieces of silver. Pretty desperate, I'd say. Well, it's it's gotten really bad, and the king is passing by on the wall. And suddenly a woman cries out to the king, Help us! Oh, king, help us! And he goes, Well, you know, what ails you? He said, If God doesn't help you, what makes you think I can help you? If God hasn't helped us, how do you think that I'm going to be able to help you? And she starts telling the story how that she had talked with another woman and said they were they had decided to eat their sons and uh, how that so they had taken her son and killed him and ate him and then when it came the next day to eat the other son, I know this is gruesome. Um, that she had hid it, hid that son, so that wouldn't happen. And she was crying out to the king, basically to have this woman give up her child so they could eat it. And he rent his clothes and said, oh, you know, oh, this is, what have we come to? What is happening in the land? What are we going to do? He rent his clothes and he had sackcloth on. And he said, God do so and more to me. If the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, shall stand on him this day, I'm going to get that guy, that prophet, because I've just about had it with this. God hasn't helped us. Here we are in this siege, and I don't know. I think we ought to go and cut that man's head off. I'm, he's blaming everything on the man of God. Well, it wasn't the man of God's fault. And so the king sent a messenger down to... Elisha's house to take and kill him. Well, Elisha is sitting in his house with the elders, and he says to the elders, he says, look, I, I, hear, I hear the feet of a man coming, sent by the king to kill me, take my head. He says, what I want you to do is when he comes in, let him in. Open the door, let him in close the door behind him so he can't get out you know and hold him 
He says, you know why? Because I hear the feet of his master coming right behind him, the king. The king is coming right behind him. Evidently, the king had decided to change his mind about killing the man. He wanted to talk to him instead. And so the messenger comes in. And they trap him in the house. And while he's talking to them and letting them know what the king's desire is, the king comes in. And he says to Elisha, he says, you know, this trouble that we're having is because of what God is doing. That's why we're having this trouble. And he says these words. He said, he said why? Should I wait for the Lord any longer? Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Well, my question is, is why did it take you so long to come to the prophet? Why did it take you so long to come to God and ask him about this? Because as soon as he talks to Elisha, Elisha says, hear the word of the Lord. He says, I've got a word from the Lord. Because tomorrow, about this time, a measure of fine flour will be sold for a shekel. And two measures of barley will be sold for a shekel in the gate of this very city, Samaria. Why did you wait so long to call upon the Lord? But here he says, I'm not willing to wait on the Lord any longer. We need to be willing to wait on the Lord, but we need to call on His name at the same time. And then wait on Him. Don't say, I've waited on the Lord if you've never even called on His name, if you've never even asked for some help, if you've never sought Him and got on your knees and sought the Lord and said, God, help us in this situation. And then wait on the Lord. He'll answer your prayer. But don't just, out of hand, blame Him for all your situations. Because He is faithful. He's a faithful God if you will wait on Him. And so the man that the Bible says on whose hand that the king leaned said, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? He said, it's impossible. We're in severe drought. We're in severe famine here. And, and you know, nobody has anything to eat. If the Lord opened up heaven and poured it out, I just don't believe it could be possible. But you see, this is the prophet of God that is told it. The great prophet Elisha, whom everybody has heard about. And he's doubting the word of the man of God, who has prophesied many times before and done mighty works for God. He should have trusted in what the man of God said and believed it even in the face of impossibility because we serve a God who can do that which is impossible. And so he, he said, well, to this man, Elisha says to this man, well, it's going to happen. You're going to see it with your eyes, but you're not going to be able to partake of it. Boy, I don't want that to happen. I know God's got a lot of things in store. I know God's got some things up ahead. 
I want to be right in the middle of it. I want to be partaking of it. I want to make it to heaven. I don't want to see it happening and not be able to be part of it just because I doubt God and I don't seek His face and I don't wait on Him. I believe His Word. I want to trust Him and I want to see those things happen, but I don't want to just see them happen. I want to be able to be part of it and partake of it. And so, yes, indeed, this very thing happens. The, uh, there's two, there's several uh, lepers at the gate of that city, and they say, well, you know, if we stay here, we're just going to die. We go in the city, they're, all, they're starving to death in there, and they're not going to help us. So it's not going to do any good. If we go in the city, we're going to die. If we stay here, we're going to die. Why don't we just go on out to the enemy's camp? Maybe they'll have mercy on us. Maybe, maybe, you know, they'll feed us. Maybe they'll kill us. But, hey, we're not really going to be any worse off. We're going to die no matter what we do. So let's just take a chance and go on out there and see if they will have mercy on us. Well, the Lord had sent a great sound of chariots and horses upon the ears of the enemy. And they fought within their hearts and in their minds. The Lord... Uh, not the Lord, but that the Samaria had hired other kings to come in and fight for them. And they, they thought, well, maybe they've hired the Hittites. And maybe they've hired some other kings to come in. And so they just up and fled. They left everything, camp just like it was. And they fled. The Lord had caused them to hear this sound of horses and chariots. And I thought as I read that, how that, that time when the servant was with the man of God and they were surrounded by the enemy and the Lord said, I mean, and, and the man of God said, open his eyes so he can see that we're not alone. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw how that the Lord had chariots and horses all around him. Maybe that was the sound they heard. The Lord's horses and chariots on the behalf of the people of God. But anyway, the lepers came into camp and there was not so Nobody. Food still on the table. And they start, they sat down and I mean, they were starving to death. I think I would have joined them if I was in the same problem. Just, hey, the food's on the table and you're starving to death. I think you'd sit down and eat. They sat down and they ate and then they went into some of the tents and they saw all the gold and the garments and they said, man, look at all this. And they grabbed some and they filled it hit it. They came back to get some more, and they said, oh, we're not doing right. We're just not doing right because back in Samaria, they're stuck. And we've, we've got to let them know. We've got to tell them. And so they went back, They went to Samaria and let, and, and let them know. Of course, they were doubted. You, you know, this is just a trick, they thought. This is just a trick. Um, we'll get out there, and they're, they're probably hiding in the hills. We'll get out there, and, and, and they'll trap them. So they sent some people out to check it out. Sure enough, it was true. Not a soul was around. And so the people of the city went out to get all the goods. And the, the saying of the man of God happened just as he had said. But, the, but the, the king had set this one man that had doubted. He had set him at the gate to try to keep the gate. Well, the people were in such a hurry to get the available food. They trampled him to death. He saw it happening, but he was killed by those that were getting what the Lord had 
mind. I don't want to be one of those that doubt what God's doing and see him actually bringing to pass that which he has promised and not be able to be part of it. I want to believe and be part of it. I want to be willing to wait on the Lord. He has a plan. He has a plan for your life. If you are willing to wait, maybe things don't look so hot right now. Maybe things don't look like God has a plan for you, but he does. He has a plan. Wait upon the Lord. Jesus was willing to wait. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 2 through 4, says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood striving against sin. He's saying, you haven't, you haven't done what Jesus did. You haven't died on a cross like Jesus did. Jesus was willing to wait. Oh yeah, he was going to come into a kingdom. And it reminded me uh, how that at the very first when Jesus came into his ministry, when he came to be baptized of John, remember? I talked about that just a, uh, a few weeks ago. He came unto John to be baptized. John said, no, 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 I I can't do that. And Jesus said, yes, yes. He said, suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. And so John did baptize him. He suffered him. He baptized him. And the Bible says that the spirit, like as a, a dove, came down and rested upon Jesus. And then immediately the spirit driveth him into the wilderness. He was led of the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted. This whole scenario here of the baptism of Jesus is really a type of our life with Christ. We need to come. John was baptizing unto repentance. We need to repent. We need to be baptized in Jesus' name. We need to have that Holy Ghost come upon us. And then, when we get filled with the Spirit, we're going to have to go through something. We're going to go through some testing after, because the Spirit led him out into the wilderness, the Bible says. And we're going to have to go through a time where we say, we're sticking with the Lord. We're going to do it. I'm going to endure. He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. 
things may not always look just wonderful and rosy. They didn't look that way for Jesus, but there was something up ahead. There was some glory that he was looking forward to. And there's some glory that you can look forward to. There's a day coming when you can be caught up and forever be with the Lord if you have patience and wait on him now. And so this wilderness experience, I, I couldn't help, then my mind go, my mind went to, you know, uh, you know how the children of Israel were in the wilderness? The wilderness experience is like our continued living for God. How that we have to have struggles and how we have to live for the Lord and struggle. And, and I read in Psalms chapter 106, and I'd like to go there. Psalms chapter 106. Verses 10 through 15. Talking about the children of Israel in the wilderness. He says, and he saved them from the hand of him that hated them. Or from the Egyptians. And redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. And the waters covered their enemies. See, the Bible says they were all baptized the Red Sea. Okay? And the waters covered their enemies and there was not one of them left. Then believed they his words. They sang his praises. And then verse 13. They soon forgot his words. They waited not for his counsel. But lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. Verse 15, and he gave them their request. See, they were lusting after things to fulfill their body desires instead of after spiritual things. It would give them eternal life. And the Bible says, okay, God gave them that thing which they lusted after. That meat. In verse 15, and he gave them their request, but sent leanness into their souls. I'd rather have fatness in my soul. And sometimes we get carried away with the desires of this life, of living, that we forget the most important thing. And that is having fatness of soul, not fatness of body, which I seem to have plenty of. But we need to follow after the Lord, leaning on Him, waiting upon Him. He said here they were not willing to wait on Him. They were impatient and did not trust the Lord and did not believe that he could do it after he had done so many wonderful, mighty things in their life. And he has done mighty, wonderful things in our lives, but we come to a point sometimes where all of a sudden now we can't trust him. We can't wait on him. We've got to be willing to wait on the Lord. He has a plan. He has a purpose. There's going to be things happening down the road if you'll just wait and wait on the Lord. And pray and seek his face. God's got a plan. He's got a plan. He would much rather have you have fatness of soul than have a wonderful car and a great big house 
in boats, in motorcycles. All of those would be good, but what good would they be if you didn't make it to heaven? Not any good. We need the desire to be filled with the Spirit, looking on and being willing to wait for what God has in store for those who love Him. Can we lift our hands and praise Him for a moment? Lord, I praise You. I worship You. Lord, fill me with Your Spirit. Lord, I want to be filled with your spirit. I want to be willing to wait. Lord, willing to wait on you. Oh, Jesus, minister by your spirit. Touch us. Help us, oh, Lord, to be filled with that madness of soul. Touch our hearts. Help us to be willing to wait. Wait on you and wait on your plan. Well, I want to get back to that temptation. The Bible says that Jesus was baptized by John. The Spirit came upon him. And then immediately, the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness. To be, he was led of the Spirit to be tempted. That sounds like a horrible thing, doesn't it? Led of the Spirit to be tempted. But that's what it was. And Satan came to him after he had fasted for 40 days. Satan came to him and said, Turn, if you be the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. Lord wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. He was willing to wait. Willing to wait. We can't just live by bread alone. We need, we need the Lord. We all need the Lord. We, all, we Our body desires after physical food. But sometimes we need to be willing to lay that aside. Wait on the Lord. Trust Him. Seek His face. We've got a point wants to use us in his point. Then the second temptation, Satan said to him, if thou be the son of God, cast yourself down. Because if you really are the son of God, you know the angel's going to bear you up. Why don't you just prove it to us right now? Satan's always wanting to know, are you who you say you are? You're not really it. Get you to doubt that you're really a child of God. Are you really living for God? You think you're going to make it. You can do it willing to wait on the Lord. And then the last temptation, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And the glory of them, he said. Not just the kingdom, but the glory of them. All that glory of being in charge and being the head of all the kingdoms of the world. He said, Satan said, if you'll just bow down to me and worship me, I'll give it all to you. Jesus will. He was going to get it all anyway. Satan was just offering a shortcut. And it would not really have been a shortcut. Because he would have never gotten what was really set before him. And if we take the shortcut and we're not willing to wait, and we follow after the desires of our flesh and our life, and not willing to wait. We won't get that crown of righteousness that's laid up for us. We won't get it. But if we're willing to wait on the Lord and have courage, you can make it. You can do it. If you be filled with the Spirit, be willing, be willing to wait upon the Lord. Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 23 says, For I reckon... 
that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves within ourselves waiting for the adoption. To wit, the redemption of our body. We're not always going to have to live in this flesh. Having its desires pull us to satisfying ourselves in a physical realm. That's not always going to be there pulling on you. If you will endure, if you will wait, if you're willing to wait on the Lord and be filled with His Spirit, There's coming a day when all that mess is going to be over. All the problems you've had in the body.